to actually see you again. Yeah, let's have those lights up. I want to see the faces of people who are here. Welcome back. And to have our Allen Park folks here one more week because you guys get a reopen next week. That's going to be awesome. Welcome to the kids being in here. Welcome to you if you're online with us, any of our three platforms, our, our live platform or YouTube or Facebook. Good to have you. Welcome if it's your first time here. Don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, your church background, religious beliefs, or any of that. No matter what it is, we're just glad you're here because we're seeking God together. We want to grow closer to Him because we're all about winning downriver to Christ. We're about helping people become more committed to Christ, connected to one another, and contributing to the world. We'd like to offer a, a big uh, thank you to one of our elders who has served two three-year terms, so six years, which means he needs to rotate off for at least a year now. I want to say thank you to Dave Zimmerman for his support and his service over these past six years, along with his wife, Julie, who is one of our deacons. Uh, looking forward, Dave, to what uh, God is going to do and, and through you and how he's going to use you. So I want to just thank you for, for six years. Uh, being one of our elders. We appreciate you guys so much. It's, it's our final week of this series on key principles, these essentials for living the Christian life. But whether you're a Christian or not, this is going to hit you because I think we've all uh, been through hard times. Anybody had a hard week? Let me see. Hard week? How about a hard year? <laughs> yeah, 2020. It's <laughs> I think we're all in that one. Um, Anybody just had like a hard knock life? I mean, the whole thing has been hard. Well, you, you came in a good week for that. We're going to talk about how to handle hard times because I tell you, some Christians, especially new Christians, somehow come to think that Christians shouldn't have problems. In fact, sometimes that's what they get sold, a bill of goods that says, well, if you come to Christ, everything's going to be wonderful, no problems, no sickness. Uh, you know that's not true. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, that, that's just wrong. Uh, and sometimes you're made bad as a Christian if you have family problems, you have financial struggles, you get sick, that there's something wrong with your faith. And that's just not true. We go through hard times. Jesus went through hard times, didn't he? Man. Uh, his 12 disciples went through all kinds of trials and tribulations. Christians throughout the ages have gone through struggles of all kinds, persecution, you name it. I mean, talk to your brothers and sisters in Nigeria right now, or in China, or India. Ask them how that whole prosperity gospel nonsense is going. Living your best life now. Come on. It ain't easy being a Christian in this world that's hostile to our faith. As those Christians get disowned by their families, their villages attack them, their communities disenfranchised by, by refusing to employ them or um, confiscating the property, or their governments imprison them. Now, we're going to go through hard times because the goal of a Christian isn't to live an easy, comfortable life. It's to become like Christ. And Christ didn't have an easy, comfortable life. The promise of God is that He's going to give us strength to go through those hard times. He'll walk with us through those, strengthen us so that we come out of them better people. 
We can't escape them. They're, we live in a fallen world. And some of our suffering and adversity comes from our own bad choices, our sinful decisions. Sometimes it comes from other people's sinful decisions, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Sometimes we suffer justly. We've deserved it. Many times not. In fact, that's what led the 12 disciples to question Jesus about a news story. They had heard about a tower that had fallen over on some people and killed them. And they said, Lord, what did those people do to deserve that? And Jesus says, well, they didn't necessarily deserve it any more or less than anybody else. It just happened. That's life on a fallen planet. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. And it's all a big mix. Jesus says God causes his son to rise on the good and the evil, and he causes it to reign on the righteous and unrighteous. It just happens. Now, that doesn't mean that's the way it's always going to be. One day God's going to put all things right when Jesus returns. He's going to take care of all that. But right now, Jesus says in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. There it is. That'd be a real downer if that's where he just stopped. But he goes on and says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And that means that no matter what problems you've got going on, you can overcome the world too. doesn't mean God's going to take away all your problems and troubles and struggles, but he'll help you to overcome them. In fact, Peter writes, the apostle writes to these suffering Christians in a hostile world back then. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Expect bad things are going to happen to you because you're a Christian. So I, I thought I wasn't supposed to have trouble. You are going to have more troubles as a Christian. I know that's not a great selling point to get you to come to faith. You know, come to Jesus and suffer more problems. But that's what we can expect because Jesus said if they persecuted me, They'll persecute you. In fact, the Apostle Paul agrees with that. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So don't get discouraged when it happens. Because if you're suffering for being a Christian, it puts you in the company of some very great saints. And, and it helps you to look forward to a better future, a reward in heaven. I mean, it, it's coming. But just because you go through trials doesn't mean that you're being singled out by God because you've done something. Doesn't mean that he has betrayed you or abandoned you. In fact, you may be going through a hard time because God loves you. He might be wanting to get your attention so that you'll get your priorities straightened out. You'll get your life, <laughs> get your life together. You'll, you'll grow up and become a stronger person. In fact, that's what trials do for us. That's our big idea. We can endure trials because they make us better Christians. That doesn't sound <laughs> very promising either. But that's the fact. You can't really become a better Christian until you endure some trials. Now, if you're looking at it like the rest of the world does, like when bad things happen to you, I want to avoid that. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to escape pain. I mean, who doesn't? Nobody wants to go through it. But if you get a, a different perspective on it, when you look at it, at, at what this trial is going to do for me, to, to see beyond the current pain to the, the valuable thing it's going to accomplish in you, then you're able to endure it better. I mean, we always have a choice. You don't really have a choice whether you're going to go through a trial. You have a choice how you face it. And is it going to make you a better person or a worse person? Let me tell you some things that trials can do for you. First of all, trials test our faith. Isn't that true? You're put to the test. The most famous example of that is Abraham. Do you know the story of Abraham in the Old Testament? 
God told him, I want you to sacrifice your son, which just sounds insane. And if you've never read that story, go back to Genesis and read it. It's shocking. It doesn't make any sense. Why, why God, would you tell me to sacrifice my son? And yet, Abraham passed that test of faith. He was willing to do it. Why? Because he knew God had promised that he would bless the world through that son. And that somehow God was going to make good on that. Didn't know how, maybe even raise him from the dead. But he passed the test. And I'm like, man, that, that's an incredible faith. Are we able to pass the test of faith when things don't make sense? When we don't understand. Now we look back at that story now and we understand better that God was showing us a prophetic picture of what he was going to do with his son. He was going to sacrifice his son, go through with it for our sake. But are we willing to hold on when it doesn't make sense? I mean, when you get to that place where you feel like giving up and your faith is just being stretched to the breaking point, will you hold on to God or will you let go? Peter says this in his first letter to suffering Christians, there's a wonderful joy ahead. Even though it's necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. Seems like a long time, but it's just a while. These trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by those fiery trials, it's going to bring you praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Gold, if it's going to be worth anything, has to have the impurities, the dross, melted out of it. And sometimes that's what God has to do with us. He has to turn up the heat in our life so that he can melt away the impurities, the dross, the junk out of your life. And the question is, when the heat gets turned up on your life, are you going to be refined by it or are you going to melt away with it? Will you hold on to God or will you let go? Because here's what, something else trials are going to do. They're going to develop our character. They make us more mature, more complete in Christ. In fact, the brother of Jesus talks about it in James chapter 1. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Wouldn't you like to be ready for anything? That's how you train. That's why athletes go into training. If they're going to be strong, great fit athletes, it's not going to happen by bench pressing pillows and curling TV remotes and jogging from the refrigerator to the couch and back and forth. It, you're not going to get strong, easy, comfortable life. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's not pleasant, but it's good for you. Nobody likes to hear that phrase. It's for your own good, but it is. Trials also keep us faithful. Because you know what? People who do live those comfortable, convenient, easy lives, those soft lives, they tend not to think very much about God, do they? Why would they? Got it made. But it's when you get knocked on your back that you begin to look up. And you begin to realize how much you need God. And that's what's happening to our culture right now. People are living, going along, living these comfortable, easy lives. And that our whole culture has been knocked on its back. And we realize we need to look up and look to God. And once we do, we begin to trust him more. And that keeps us close to God. In fact, way back a long time ago, David said this in Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. In other words... Before I got knocked on my back, I went off and I just did whatever I wanted to do. But now I obey your word. 
So trials help us to realize how much we need God and need to follow His word, His ways, His will in the Bible. In fact, sometimes when you're going through a hard time, you reach for the medicine, right? Maybe you get, you get a bottle of medicine, some liquid medicine. What, what does it say on the bottle? Shake well before using. Before it's usable, you've got to shake it up. Sometimes God has to do that to you and me too. Has to shake things up. He's shaking up the whole thing right now, isn't he? But if we're going to be usable, we've got to be shake, sh- shaken. And, and when I'm praying, when I'm crying out, Maybe instead of saying, God, when am I going to get out of this trial? I ought to be thinking more like, God, what am I going to get out of this trial? What can, the, what can you do for me and through me through this? And listen, ultimately, here's what it does. Trials can bring glory to God. Because remember, life isn't all about you. Life is about God. We're, our goal of our life is to bring glory and honor to praise and praise to God. And that's how Jesus lived his life. In fact, Jesus used the trials of others to bring glory to God. Do you remember the story in John 11? It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Now he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, is the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Okay, got the background. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. Now, it did end in death, but Jesus meant it wasn't going to end permanently in death because he's going to raise him from the dead. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. How did that work? Well, when Jesus was able to raise him from the dead, he was glorified. People were, wow, blown away. Many people came to faith because of that miracle, which leads to the next point. Trials help us to minister to others. Isn't that true? Who best to encourage and comfort somebody who's going through a hard time? There and done that first. God uses you, what you've been through, to help others. Paul, the great apostle, he had been through all kinds of trials. And he says in 2 Corinthians, God comforts us in all our troubles so that, why? We can comfort others. When others are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And so believers all around us are struggling. Around the world, they're experiencing adversity, family tragedies, accidents, terminal illnesses, you name it. And it seems in those times that God has abandoned me. He has betrayed me. He is failing to answer my prayers. But that's when we need to get the right perspective and see God as God. Not some genie in a bottle that we can just get him to give us whatever we want to make us happy. We've got to learn to trust that he is in control, he's good, and I have already seen his love for me demonstrated in his son and in the witness of his word. And he's going to carry me through. So instead, why not look past the pain to the promises, to what lies beyond. Because that's what the great men and women of faith always do. They look ahead. Again, listen to the brother of Jesus, James 5. For examples of patience and suffering, remember how I've told you before, all those Old Testament stories are written for us today as Christians so that we can learn from their examples. They're, they're you know, like, instead of learning the hard way, let's learn from what they went through first. Dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. They were always suffering. 
We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. Job is an example of a man who endured patiently. From his experience, we see how the Lord's plan finally ended in good. For he is full of tenderness and mercy. Aren't you glad the story of Job is in the Bible? Man, does that get you through? And if you're not familiar with Job, this guy was like the best guy on earth. Righteous, awesome example of what a man of faith should be. And yet, he suffered for that very reason. Not because he was a bad guy. He suffered for being a good guy. Why? Because God was allowing him to be tested to see, you know, because he was living that soft, comfortable, easy life. Who? Oh, yeah, okay, God's blessing me. God allowed all that stuff to be ripped away from him, his wealth, his children, his health, his reputation, lost practically everything. So you can imagine, I mean, none of us have come even close to that kind of suffering. Imagine the confusion this guy went through, the discouragement, the disappointment, the disillusionment, and yet he passed the test. He never let go of his faith. He said, even if God slays me, yet I will hope in him. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of a faith? To hold on to God, even when I don't get it, it doesn't make sense. I'm, it's, I'm so confused, God. I'm so disappointed. I'm so discouraged and disillusioned. And yet, even if you slay me, I will still hope in you. Incredible example. Will we really believe that God's grace is sufficient Another great example is the Apostle Paul. You know this guy. Went through all kinds of stuff for being a Christian. He went through beatings. He went through stonings, shipwreck, you name it. In fact, he had what he called this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. It was something painful. Some scholars believe it was blindness. Who knows? I'm glad we don't know because we can all relate and say, well, I got my own thorn in the flesh too. Something that's caused me all kinds of problems. I keep praying God take it away from me. So did Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. Bottom line, no. Why? For my power is made perfect in weakness. Okay. Well, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. I'm not thankful all those things happen to me, but when they do, they teach me not to rely on my own human weaknesses. I mean, I think it's strong, but really I'm weak. I learn to rely on God's strength, this supernatural power. And here's a great promise to get us through. God is working all things for my good, for your good. I love that. And I've told this story many times. It's just one of my favorite illustrations about a man who is, is out shopping for a beautiful Persian rug. And he wanders into one of those bazaars and uh, all kinds of exotic things from all over the world. And he finds this big rug hanging from the ceiling. And he, he, he looks at it and it's just like a, an ugly mass of twisted threads and clumps. And he said to the salesman, why are you selling such an ugly rug? And the salesman says, oh no, you don't understand, sir. Come around here to the front. You're looking at the back of the rug. And he looked and saw a beautiful tapestry that had been woven. And isn't that so true about our lives? Sometimes all we see is the back of the rug. We see the underside of the rug. And it just seems like an ugly mess but we don't understand that God is really weaving together a beautiful tapestry out of our lives. We just haven't seen it yet. 
I mean, that's why my favorite verse in all the Bible, and it is for many of you too, I know, is Romans 8, 28. That's a verse that you've got to hold on. Memorize that thing because it will get you through. In fact, let's all say it out loud together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That gets me through so many things, man. What a great thing to hold on to. That means no, no matter what bad thing happens, somehow, someway, someday, God's going to bring good out of it. I don't know how. It's not something that God caused. It's not even something that God wanted, but he's not going to let it go to waste. He's going to use it for our good and maybe the good of others too. You know, we see that demonstrated in another great guy from the Old Testament, Joseph. Another, you know, one of these men of God, good guy, but his brothers sell him as a young man into slavery. Great family. He goes off to a foreign land. He is made a slave and, and then accused of a horrific crime and put in prison and dwells there in prison for I don't know how long. But God was working through that all the time because then Pharaoh takes him out of prison, raises him up to second in command of Egypt. Why? So that Joseph could prepare to feed millions of people through seven years of famine. In fact, because he's in charge there, he's able to supply food to the brothers who sold him as slaves. And when the brothers show up and Joseph reveals himself as the guy who's saving them, he says, see, what you guys did to me, you intended to harm me. Guess what? God intended it for good. For, for what he's accomplishing now, the saving of many lives. And how many times maybe has that happened in your life? Somebody has done something to harm you. They intended it for bad, but God intended it for your good. Just be patient and wait. You can't see it yet, but he's working it for good. Having that perspective then also puts you in the mindset for this. Future glory puts trials in perspective. Thinking really long term. I mean, you think about Job. He lost everything. But if you know the end of the story, God restores it. And more so, he blesses him, he rewards him. And God's going to do the same thing for you. But maybe not in this life, on this planet. But it's coming. There's great reward and blessing coming when Jesus returns. I don't know when, but it's coming. Don't be fooled. This world is not all there is. There's so much more to come. Whatever troubles, whatever sicknesses, uh, God may deal with it right here and now. It may not be till then. But you can be sure God will put all things right. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, for our light and momentary troubles. Again, they don't seem light. They seem heavy. They don't seem momentary. It feels like it's been going on forever. But compared to eternity, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Man, it's heavy. What you're going to get in heaven is heavy. So hold on. God still loves you. He understands. He knows what you're going through. He's been there. I mean, he's, he's suffered more than anybody could ever suffer. And I'm not talking about just the physical agony of the cross. I'm talking about the spiritual agony of having the sins of the whole world put on him, suffering a separation from his father, the equivalent of hell on that cross. And he did it for you and me. Talk about somebody who didn't deserve it, who suffered unjustly, but he did it so that you and I could be forgiven. He rose from the dead so that we could have life forever. And he's right now preparing a place for you in heaven. So don't let these trials drive you away from God. 
Let them drive you to God so that you can become a better Christian. Let's pray about that. God, we want to pray for all who are going through hard times, whether physically, financially, um, job loss, business issues, family struggles, grief, loneliness. So many have gone through these trials that have just challenged their faith to the breaking point. So God, encourage them, would you pray? And we pray for just our whole nation right now during these difficult days of unrest and recovery. We're We're all being shaken up, but let good come out of it as people turn to you. We want to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world for their deliverance and their endurance and their boldness. And we're still praying silently, but you just pray in your heart if you need to with me and say, Lord, I don't have it all figured out yet, what I'm going through. I don't know, but I trust you. I trust you through the good times and through the hard times. Lord, I I want you to take my trials away, but if you don't, then help me to appreciate what they can accomplish. Use them to turn me to you more and more, to find my strength in you when I'm weak, to make me more like Jesus, to trust that your grace is sufficient. And thank you for working all things for my good and turning my thoughts to your promises, to what lies ahead, beyond these temporary trials to heaven. And Father, I pray most of all that these difficulties will turn people to you and they'll see their need for Jesus most of all. I, I pray that, pray for their salvation. Use it for that purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. And if that's you, if you, that's what you want, is that relationship with God. Uh, he's there for you. You just got to reach out to him in faith. Reach out to us too. Let us help you with making the best decision ever to follow Christ. Text that number 734-304-7248 or email next at southpointccc.com because somebody will be there to contact you, to answer your questions, to encourage you, to pray with you, to get you ready. If you've never um, made the decision to follow Jesus, they'll help you with that. In fact, if you're here on site after the service, go out in the lobby to our four rooms out there, A, B, C, and D. And they can help. They can get you ready to be baptized. If you've never experienced being baptized into Christ, let this be the day to do it, okay? If you're watching online, we can help you be baptized at home too, okay?